Welcome to Value Through Vulnerability. This is a podcast dedicated to putting the human back into humanity, and I'm your host, Gary Turner. I'm also the founder of HexoChange, and HexoChange is a transformational change practice dedicated to helping you connect to yourself, to others, and to systems at large in a more meaningful way, thus helping us turn around our workplace and planetary challenges and accelerating how alive we all feel in every aspect of our lives. This track is called Kaleidoscope and was created for me personally and for HexoChange by Peter Griffiths, one half of the amazing Mind Takeaway. I hope you enjoy this exploration and please do share it on your social platforms so we can bring more humanity to more people. Hope to speak to you soon. Welcome to Value Through Vulnerability, a podcast dedicated to putting the human back into humanity. And we've got three amazing human beings with me today. One being human's first founder, who's kindly boosting this podcast now. And we also have the, the Heather Younger, founder of Customer Fanatics, and the Kimberly Davis, founder of Onstage Leadership. Good afternoon, ladies. Good afternoon, Gary. This is so much fun. <laughs> I've got no idea what we're going to talk about today because I don't need to because you lot are incredible. So I would like, though, to have a bit of an introduction from you both, if we may, for our kind listeners that are joining us today. Just a 60-second overview. You know, what brings you into doing the work that you're doing today and why does it matter to you? And maybe we could start with Kimberly. Oh, with me? Okay. Uh, so, you know, I, I spent my whole career teaching what I need to learn. And so I... Uh, about eight, 12 years ago, I started working on doing work around uh, purpose and vulnerability and presence and influence and leadership. And that led me to write a book called Brave Leadership. And so now I have to delve deep into what bravery really is. And I have, I have to put my own, hold my own feet to the fire, which forces me to use my own tools in order to model the work that I do. So that is me in a nutshell. And Kimberly, what was your trigger point for setting up on stage? Was there like an epiphany moment? Was there some, some sort of story that got you to, to setting up? Yeah, so I was actually, I was a hired gun for a leadership development company. Gosh, I mean, I had been, I started working with them probably 18 years ago or something like that. And um, I was out in the field doing a, an engagement workshop for a big pharma company uh, based in Philadelphia. And the director of training sat in on my, my session and he heard me talk about my colorful theater background and he essentially walked in the door the next day and changed my life. He said, uh, you know, I've always wanted to do a leadership program based on theater tools. And I said, well, you know, I've been noodling something over for years, but haven't had an excuse to develop it. So I got permission to work directly with the client because it was a big client and they didn't want to make a fool out of themselves trying this new weird theater program. And I developed this full day experiential program and I ran an open enrollment session of the program in Dallas before I did it for the client. Now, let me back up for a second. I had, when I, when I agreed to work with this client, I negotiated a deal that, that said I would retain all the ownership of the content in exchange for them getting this screening deal. So I owned the, I owned all this content that may have been terrible, but I owned it. Woohoo. And, um, and so I did this open enrollment version of it in Dallas and uh, that was uh, 2008, right when the economy crashed here in the United States. And that was the first session of onstage leadership. And then I did it for the client up in Philadelphia. 
And that is what I, that is what pretty much ignited my business um, way back then. And, and, and that led to doing work for Southern Methodist University. Um, I, it's the same content. It's just, I've made it a lot more academic. I use PowerPoint slides and we call it authentic influence and executive presence, but it's essentially the same conversations. And then um, about seven years ago when I, well, actually it was probably eight or nine years ago when I started writing my book, I, you know, I, I started to ask myself, why would people pick up a book called On Stage Leadership? They wouldn't know what the heck that meant. And when I looked at what was the common denominator of everyone who was willing to be who they truly are, powerfully, constructively, and responsibly in the world, that common denominator was their bravery. And that's what led to brave leadership. So... Um. <laughs> Amazing. What a whistle stop. How about you, Heather? How did you come to be doing uh, what you're doing? I know nobody can see this right now, but I'm just <laughs> really in heaven at this point, seeing all of your faces. I'm sorry. You're not <laughs> oh, alone gosh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so how did I start it? Well, I, mean, I think with many of the things in my life, I started it through an adverse situation. So something came to me. I w started working for a company uh, that was going through a merger of five companies and uh, it wasn't going well. Nobody inside the culture trusted each other. And it was, um, it was a problem. And so I went to the head of HR and I said, listen, we've got, we need to do something about our engagement, like just the relationships. And, and she said, you're, you are right. You should go do something about that. And I went, what? I should go do something about that. I was leading customer experience at the time. So I was not a leading employee experience, but I'd been managing people my whole life and had been kind of this culture bearer for that organization. And it just, it was kind of obvious I should be the one to start it. So I created this employee engagement council, brought a lot, all the different people together. And almost immediately we started to brainstorm ways to kind of bring people together and break down some of those walls. And pretty quickly, it was obvious that things were really changing as far as perceptions and relationships and all those things. Uh, but the merger didn't go very well and they had to lay off a lot of people. And I was in that first round of layoffs. And, but I realized, cause it was over about a six month period where I was facilitating this council. I realized though that the layoff, it was an adverse situation for most people. It was an owie when it first happened. Cause I was leading, I was the head of a family of six and, and so it was hard, but at the same time, it was like, wait a second, this is, it, I'm supposed to be doing this work. I'm supposed to be the voice for the people who aren't at the table. I'd already been that, that role for customers for so many years. And so at this point, it was like, wow, how, who is going to be the one, the voice back to the leaders who can change the experience for these people that are living and walking around these walls and uh, who's going to be that voice? And I felt like right in that moment, like everything I had done, the lawyering and all that stuff led right up to the point where I needed to be that person. And so that's why I do the work that I do now uh, in the voice, the employee space and in everything I talk about and write about and everything is mostly with the lens of employees. Um, and so I'm helping leaders understand what they need to do to improve the experience for their people. And then, so again, everything I do is kind of focused on that. So yeah, I, it's, it's good work and I get to do it with people right here. So it's exciting. Mike, how much joy is this already? Like, and I'm just, what's so fascinating for me, you've got this, brave lens you've got this loyalty and engagement and trust lens like it's so deeply human like that's what this podcast like I think it's taken so long for the world to wake up and I'm wondering this thing that's going on right now is part of that awakening of actually it is about the human it's not about just the process and the technology like I wonder about what are you seeing around that Mike I just think you two just personify for me what the future of work really looks like like deeply deeply human and I'm just wondering what's coming up for you Mike 
I love that statement because I, I do think that both Heather and Kimberly personify that. So um, we've been together on this journey for a year and a half and, and they've, they've been wonderful friends, guides, supporters. Um, Heather and I have been in two live um, Humans First sessions together. Kimberly and I have, have been together in three of them. Um, but I, I look at, you know, what you said about their work, it's really wonderful to hear the, the experience that they bring to this point of engagement. But then knowing that, you know, Heather's writing her new book and, and just how both of you show up every day for other people, like really exemplifying um, living in the moment and, and what's possible to help other people find their strength and, and move forward. Um, and it's not perfect. And that's, that's what I love about both of you, right? It, and, and we can see it in your TED Talks. I mean, you're, you're very real about that, right? Both of you have, have wonderful TED Talks. You have great books out there. But you're really, you're that person every day. You're so genuine. And, and um, you know, you're great friends. So... You know what's coming up for me as I'm listening to you, Mike, and as I was listening to Heather and just seeing your beaming face, Gary, is that um, is, is two things. One, the fact that we have this incredible community that you have helped uh, cultivate and spark and ignite and is really growing and growing and growing, both, both uh, especially Mike and, and you, Gary, um, that certainly makes it easier for, for people to show up as who we are. I mean, I think that makes that really adds to our ability to do that fully. But the other thing that really stood out for me as I was listening to Heather's story, and I know a little bit about your story, Mike, and I know a little bit about your story, Gary, and that is, is that we have all come to the place where we are in our careers because of where we've been. And in its very unique paths, that have brought us to this place. And I think so often people decide, people look at their career and they try to figure it out. They wanna, they, what, they wanna decide, what am I gonna do? And then they, they try to force it into being. And yet for all four of us, it's organically unfolded to become our best life, right? And I think, and I think the more that you can lean into just moving forward in alignment with who you truly are, it allows you to make choices to step into your power, to step into your brave and to step into that best life that also starts to attract people that are doing the same. So it, 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 mm. it grows your community. It puts you in the place where you are at your best, but it, it forces you to listen to your heart and not try to be like everybody else, not try to fit some cookie cutter mold, not try to take that, that next rung on the ladder just because that's what's expected or that's what everybody else does, but to try to figure out what's your next step, what's right for you. And, um, and what I think is really cool is that I'm surrounded by people that have done that and are continued to do that. Mm. Yeah. It's interesting. I, recently was uh, <clears throat> blessed to read um, Sarah Elkin's new book on the stories don't define you. And, but it's interesting because as I'm reading through that, oh, number one, I was just tickled. So I can't wait till it's, you know, out for everyone to, I think the people can start buying it now. But um, as I'm reading through that, I, I realize about, I, I realize the um, importance of stories and the importance of the stories that we tell ourselves and then how that shows up to others. 
So the story I just told you, and of course, I've got multiple backstories that lead up even to that story. And Gary knows that more than anything, because he's interviewed me a couple different times on his show. Um, but those stories are so critical. It's, it's through those stories that we learn. Yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, I think when you're talking about what is that, what is, how do when we show up, what does that bravery look like? Um, it is so much our backstory. And the backstory is the richness. Yeah. It's the depth. I mean, don't, it's like, don't skip over that. Yeah. Right? Well, Do I, not I, skip I'm over lucky it. lucky enough to get a, an, an early peek at Sarah's book, too. So it, I'm yes. loving it. Um, yes. But what really standing out for me is, as I'm hearing you talk is what is her conversation around our, those stories reinforce our own thinking about ourselves, right? Mm-hmm. So what stories are you not just telling the world about you, um, but the stories you're telling yourself about you? And whether you're painting yourself as the victim or as the hero, whether you're painting mm-hmm. yourself as someone who is capable of getting through anything or is or someone who's pretty stoppable. And, and how we frame those stories for ourselves is just as important, if not more important, than, than how we frame them for the, for the world. Absolutely. So this is really fun because um, as a co-host, I get to now like bring Gary into the conversation also as a guest because Gary, I, I think... <laughs> You know, the journey that you've been on exemplifies that so well. Like, where's this co-host come from, Mike? I'm just, I'm stepping <laughs> into the role. I'm, I'm learning. <laughs> well, well, thank you kindly. This is, this is weird. Thank you very much. Um, it is funny because I, like, I, I literally had tingles as you were describing that, both of you, because, yeah, as I'm speaking very, very vocally about my testicular cancer journey the last, last month, Three years ago, I would have told myself a story of, uh-oh, rabbit hole, be afraid, guess what's coming next, you're going to have to have chemo, like that story. And for whatever reason, I think the five years of me doing this, is there more to life than just more money, more cars, more possessions? Mm. It, that was a lesson. I'm going to sound a bit spiritual here. I believe that was all a lesson to get me to what that was, that was coming a month ago. And, I've, and it's... I'm not going to say it's a blessing, but I think the thing I've learned is like everything, cancer is a thing, like a car is a thing, like Heather's glasses are a thing. None of it is causal to what we tell ourselves. It's the story that we tell ourselves about what's outside is what gets you. So like the fact I was able just to see it as that, it didn't mean I didn't get upset. For sure, there was moments I was like, God, is it the start, the end, or this is a bit awkward. Oh my God, is, you know, where's it going? But that was so minimal. I found it was more like a gentle wave than a volatile up and down. But that clarity I had as I reflected on the fact cancer isn't causal to my well-being. It's the stories I tell myself about cancer as to whether or not I go down a rabbit hole. And that's been an absolute clarity point for me, Mike. So thank you for the, uh, the question. But yeah, it's, it's, I see it that clearly. I see it that clearly. What I think is interesting about what you said too, uh, one thing that I'm, I've always known this, but it's, it's right now where we're, we're facing this uh, crazy wild ride that we're on right now. Um, I realize how much our words really matter. The words, it's going back to this thing about Sarah, it's like the words we tell our, the words we say out loud about our current situation impacts everything. And so like even Gary, just now, when you said, um, I'm going to get a little spiritual now, guess what? That's Okay. Because we're in the human phase, we're like we're humans. So we can talk about, we can show up as our full selves. And that may be the spiritual realm of who we are. Like me, I never uh, make excuses or 
you know, say that it's a bad thing if I say something that sounds like something about my faith, because it's who I am. And you're either going to like it or you're not, right? That's who I, who Heather is. And you're going to come on the journey or you're going to get off the bus and it is what it is. And so with you even going, being as vulnerable as you were, I mean, that is, it was massive when you, when you revealed that to everyone else. And I was like, oh my gosh, like, I did not know that. And we've been like communicating and, you know, I want to know that stuff. Right. And I want to know that. What is it about us that makes us not want to reveal us ourselves fully in that way? It's just it's a travesty. Sometimes it's like, what? I miss that. And I miss that when my best friend has this cancer. I mean, it's just like, what? So we, we need to be more open about that stuff, I think. I love that. You know, and, and other than the propensity now for everybody to kind of glance down when they see Gary. Um, it's, it's, <laughs> that's good that's not being that's not being edited out just saying <laughs> no, i love that that's good none of you are surprised together people none of you are surprised so well laughter's human too right laughter's that's the real. That's the real. I, t I tell you what, though, Gary, you just blew my mind. The the clarity that you brought to that, um, and and you framed it in such a simple way, and yet it's so. It seems like it should be so obvious and so true, and yet we rarely see that that clearly that this is a thing, and how I behave with the thing is is completely up to me. I, I am, um, I'm, I'm going to be processing that for a very long time, my friend. For very long you know, and I saw, I mean, we, we get to watch and, you know, the reaction to that and it, it's so powerful. And then I, I think that what comes through all of the stories that each of the three of you have told is the belief for everybody to understand we own the narrative for our own lives. And I think that's been something that we've never been given the permission to understand the power of that. Um, but as we step onto the stage of our own lives, right? And um, we step into that bravery of the TEDx stories and, and, and telling our, our two stories, Gary really stepping in boldly and sharing that truth because it's valuable for other people. And, you know, I just love the way the three of you bring that forward so well, because it's helping people be empowered to embrace and own the narrative for their lives, because we've been, I don't know, prescribed these roles that we're supposed to adopt and play into, and then get measured against our ability to become someone else. And, you know, I think that's the great lie, the great flaw of, of um, our past models. Yeah, it, it, I, when, when you said um, that Gary shared this because it would help other people, the thing that stood out for me or what I, what, I, what I was thinking at that time was that it also helps Gary because I think true connection requires two things. It requires us to truly see what's happening with the other people, right? What's, what's going on with other people to step into their shoes, to truly see them but it also requires us to truly be seen 
and to allow other people to see who we are. And I think that's the big vulnerability piece, Gary, that you, you talk about so often. Um, because if Gary were dealing with something that was so encompassing for his life, and it's such a big part of what's happening in his world right now, and yet nobody that was close to him really knew this was happening, he, we wouldn't be able to be there for him in the way that you need us, right? And mm -hmm. we wouldn't be able to see you for what your whole self, that not only do you like never sleep because you're creating content 24 seven and I don't know how to do it, <laughs> um, but you're dealing with, that you're dealing with the fact that you're not living in the same place where your beautiful bride is living. You're dealing with this health crisis and you're dealing with a pandemic all at the same time. So um, in my head, you and you're wearing a cape because <laughs> yeah. I, 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 it'll, so thank you for letting us see all of who you are with, because I think that, that also reminds us not just to go, wow, Gary's all this and I'll never be able to be all this. But what I think you, you allow us to do at the same time is go, that gives us permission to see and be seen for all of who we are. And that's what vulnerability and connection is really all about. Yeah, that's, that's so beautiful. I'd love to thank. What's really getting me actually, and you've just making me reflect on that. That being seen, but also seeing others. That's that's actually a really like the the two parts of the same coin. But I think we're so we're always so busy to serve, and I think you three are amazing at this. But we can neglect ourselves, hmm. you know. And I think that's part of I think where we are at the moment as well is this they suddenly had these beliefs shattered that it's all about the kids or it's all about work or it's all about someone else apart from me. Right. And suddenly we're realizing it's okay to be about us as well. Right. And I think that's quite a shock for some of us because we've been so worried about everybody else. So suddenly we've got to look in the mirror at ourselves and go, am I happy? Am I sad? Do I want to remote work? Do I not? Do I want to work at this company? Do I not? And I think this, I think you spoke, Mike, when we spoke on a previous conversation about the great job exchange that you think is coming up, I'd love for you to sort of maybe take us down that segue a little bit, because I think that's quite intriguing for us to explore today. Well, I mean, just, just quickly, and, and it'd be fun to, to get Kimberly and Heather to, to um, think through this a little bit. But right now in the United States, it's trending up to 20 million people that have been furloughed or laid off. Um, worldwide, the numbers are, you know, massive, right? And, What's very clear is what companies are doing this well? What companies look like the companies that we've expected and the, 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 the behaviors and, and um, attitudes and treatment of people is kind of what we've come to expect as normal. Um, that's not normal anymore. You know, the great examples of the companies that are at least doing it with compassion and care and communicating well and are demonstrating to the best of their abilities, the sacrifices they've made to string things out um, over time, taking care of people, executives not taking pay, um, stretching out, paying healthcare benefits, doing whatever they can to, um, um, to treat people well. And so coming out of this, as people re-engage into jobs, the choice is very clear. Do I want to go back to that company that treated me poorly 
or now that I have examples of all these companies that care and show value to their employees, how do I get involved there? Um, I'll take less money. I can work remotely now. So companies are going to say, you know what? We don't have the talent barriers because we don't have to fill a tower of people in one city, you know, with, with all the, the cubicles and the desks. We can just get the best talent from all over the world and have them work remotely. And so all the best talents are going to go, I want to work for that great company, not, you know, the assholes that I've endured 10 years with, um, you know, my bad bosses, the, the, you know, the, the um, toxic environments. I'm leaving that. I'll stay working for my living room for people that I'd rather work with, perhaps even for less money but greater joy. So the, you know, when we discover that joy and physical and mental wellness is part of the wage, that decision changes in a big way. So I think we're in for, you know, 20 million people in the United States come back to work. That's a great American job exchange. I like the way you say that. Um, I think about, <laughs> I've been saying this now since this thing started, and it's basically you show that you care now or you pay later. And um, so this compassion, this idea of compassion, I mean, I think it's, oh, I still think, I think layoffs and furloughs in certain companies in certain contexts are going to happen and, and are okay to happen given the scenario, right? But it's how it's done. It's how it's done. My mom is, is someone who has just gone through a furlough and they didn't do it right. They dropped a lot of balls. They overpromised and underdelivered every single corner, uh, and and in the in the meantime, has not have not actually provided any leadership or guidance on what she would need to do to kind of um, keep revenue some way coming in. She had to do everything herself. There were no there were no guideposts. There was nothing for her to do, and so I kind of took on that role. But her employer completely dropped the ball. So it is. It's right now. It's like we, we how we show up right now with strength and compassion is what determines what we what this looks like when we all come back you're so right uh, it's just and this is not rocket science it's, it never has been it's just that right now this is a time for us to really be cognizant about how we're showing up yeah it's showing up with with humanity and people don't expect anyone to be perfect right now a company to be perfect and have this figured out because this has never happened before you know, we've never had the entire workforce have to go work remotely in a heartbeat. And um, so, of course, there's going to be some clunky things and mistakes made. And, but if, if instead of um, pretending that the mistakes aren't there and instead of um, not owning them, if, if, if the companies can say, hey, we're trying to figure this out and we're, we're doing the best that we can. If there's ways that you, ideas you have on how we could do this better, let us know. We want, we want this to be the best experience for you. Um, and we know that we're, you know, we're gonna mess up. And, and if they can own it, people will, will forgive them. People will be a part of that. People, people get humanity because there is no perfection in humanity. But mm -hmm. they won't forget uh, companies that treat them badly or companies that pretend that they've got it all figured out and they just uh, discount the humanity altogether. I mean, I don't know if you've read that there was an interesting article about um, uh, Tesla's brother, and I can't remember his name, 
the, the <laughs> Tesla owner's brother. What's the guy's name? The Musk. Musk. Musk somebody. Musk. Elon Musk's <laughs> brother. Elon <laughs> Musk's brother owns a big restaurant chain. The supposedly the entire brand is about humanity and farm to table and care for community. And yet that the way they went about all of it, um, it was completely the opposite of everything they said they stood for. And, uh, and so, you know, now that company doesn't mean anything anymore. It doesn't, it, it's lost <laughs> any sense of purpose because they completely showed up opposite of what they said they stood for. So it's, it's being really clear on, are you showing up in alignment with what you, what you stand for? And to your point, Mike, I think it's, um, I think it really is the best talent that's going to have the most choices when, when, with this great job mix up change. I, I don't know what you said, but I loved it. Um, <laughs> great job but, exchange. Yeah, the great job exchange. That was awesome. Um, not awesome enough for me to like hardwire it in my brain, but it was awesome. Um, but the great it's the it's the people that are the most talented, the people that take the most initiative, the people that really trust themselves, they're going to have the most options. And so right now, those of you that are listening, if you're listening and you don't know, do I fit into that I'm the most talented bucket, right? This is the time to grow yourself, to learn, to, to start taking initiative, to figure out how can I make an impact in the face of all this uncertainty, wherever I am, no matter what it is. Um, because the people that are, are taking the initiative to grow and learn and make an impact are the people that are going to be the most valuable no matter what happens, whether they decide to work on their own or they decide to plug into to a, uh, an organization. And what's going to be left in the organizations are all the people that are playing it safe, that don't take initiative, that just nod their heads yes. And organizations cannot be competitive in today's environment that, with that kind of workforce. So that's, so that's the choice we're making. That's yeah, it's so interesting good. that I think that the uh, right now organizations are they're having to test their engagement strategy. If they had one, most of them did not. Uh, and so, <laughs> uh, right, service, right, it was all lip service. And right now, when they're and 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 test their like the lip service on we care about you as our people, you help drive our organization forward. All of that language uh, right now is when they're test they have they're going to be testing it. And um, I've had a couple leaders so what Gary was asking for was like, what's happening with our clients or whatever. Right. And I've had a couple that have reached out and said, listen, like obviously like Kimberly said, this is completely new. Like what would you recommend? How, how frequently should communicate and what are the kinds of messages we should be giving and putting out there? And, and so I've been real proud of those organizations that at least they're, you know, they're really trying hard and trying to think through it and they didn't have it in place and they weren't perfect and that was all right. But now they have to try to do their very best and they have to show a lot of heart and strength side by side, just heart and strength which is not always easy to do. Um, so that balance that's there. Um, so I, I've been happy to see that there are folks that are like, listen, we don't know, like how do we do onboarding this way? And we wanna keep their experience going and what does that look like? And so it's, it's been really um, warming for me to see that, that organizations really wanna try to get it right. They wanna try you know, their best and that's what's yeah. most important. But they've got some major, major obstacles they're dealing with because how do we show heart and strength with a huge remote workforce? So one of my clients I was talking to made a massive multinational organization. When, when you talk about they, they have a team, they have a team of like 500 people and the, and the 500 people are, are, are spread out globally. And oh, by the way, because there's so many restrictions on bandwidth right now, Nobody can show their video 
So when they have meetings, they're all off video, right? Well, how do you truly connect human to human when you can't see the human beings that you're talking to, that you're trying to connect? And everybody's in their pajamas and they're all multitasking because nobody can see. So, I mean, these are, the, these are very, very real yep. obstacles that people are facing. And the question isn't, you know, whether it can or can't be done. I believe it can be done, but we have to, we have to actually stop and think about what's the impact I want to have on these human beings on this call right now. How do I cut through the noise when I can't see them and they can't see me? Those are very real questions to, to ask. And then start strategizing around that. But if you don't answer, mm -hmm. ask the questions, there is no way you're going to overcome those kind of obstacles. Yeah, yeah. I love that. So because as I've been you know, talking to clients, one of the things I've encouraged is um, this is the best time to change how you've measured things in the past. So all of your performance measurement tools, you can now turn those off. That will be a cost savings for you. Um, because the things that you're going to have to measure, all of those tools are built on activity. That's how we measure people, by your activity. And that takes a lot of watching and tracking mm -hmm. to get activity down. Now, when we look at remote or we get a, to a maturity level, we measure on contribution and outcomes. And that's a very different thing. Yeah. That's a very different thing. And that's a great opportunity because the measure is also more real. It's less subjective. You know, Kimberly, it looks like you're doing a lot there. You're kind of, you know, you're chopping and slicing and dicing and <laughs> you got all those ingredients ready to go into the pot. You know, we're going to give you five stars. Um, but, but you can't you know, make a meal to save your life. Do we like, <laughs> do we like the chili? Do we like the chili? And, um, I think that's a great opportunity to again discard the things and re-envision them coming out. It's curious though, Mike, because we've got engagement and loyalty expert with us. We've got yourself, beliefs expert. We've got brave expert with us. And it's just, there's a real opportunity to totally reset genuinely. Yeah. And get out of just our heads to our head and our heart. But we're not used to that journey, are we? And I think that's part mm. of the challenge. Even with this reset, it's like, and how, how maybe Heather, maybe Kimberly, can you share, like, how do, you know, what are the maybe focus areas to try and give a little bit of sort of actionable insight for the people that are kindly joining us? Like, what would your invitation to people joining us be to try and, if someone is really, really heady, super logical, knows they want to develop a bit more of heart, bit more empathy, bit more connection, but just find that just so awkward they can't even go there. Any ideas as to how to maybe practice that muscle somehow? Do you want to go first, Heather? Do you want me to go first? Um, you can go first. I'll give a little more thought. Um, so I, I think, I think the, the fastest way to get from from head to heart is to anchor into purpose. And of course, that the problem is, is the word purpose brings up all this, ah, purpose, how do I know my life, life's purpose? That feels very scary and, and <laughs> overwhelming. It doesn't have to be. So really, the simple questions is to, to ask yourself is, is, what's the impact I want to have? Why do I care? I do what I do for the sake of what? I do what I do for the sake of what? Now, you can look at this big picture. I do what I do for the sake of what in my work 
you know, in alignment with what it is I'm doing. Or you can even look at it on a situation by situation basis, because I truly believe that our bravery unfolds one situation at a time. It's not an all or nothing thing. So, so you can look at the fact that you're going to be on this next Zoom call, right, with your colleagues. What's the impact you want to have on your colleagues in that, in that call? Beyond just giving them the data and the information, how do you want them to feel? What do you want them to do? How do you want them to feel about themselves? How do you want them to feel about what's possible? How do you want them to feel about you, about the organization? Uh, how do you want them to feel for real? And what do you want them to do? What's the impact that you want to have on them? And, and if you can ask that very simple question, it moves you from focusing on with the pain and danger, which if you define, if you look at the definition of bravery, brave, the definition of brave is, is to face and endure pain or danger, right? And so most of us think, oh, I want to be brave. We focus on the, we focus on getting through the pain and danger. All we see is, oh my gosh, what if this happens and this happens and they think I'm stupid and I make a mistake and all the, we, all we do is focus on the pain and danger. But if instead we can focus on what the impact we want to have, then it gets our, it shifts our thinking it harnesses our attention and it allows us to take constructive, responsible action on a situation by situation basis. Right now, the challenge, of course, is we don't, there's not, you know, many of us are, are um, we're isolating alone. Many of us don't have someone we can have an impact, a direct impact on in every situation we face. And so then the question is, is how do you get your focus off of the pain and danger? Well, you still need to harness your attention by focusing on action, taking action. And the way that I do that is to focus on seeking out kind acts of kindness. Look at what's happening in the world that, that, is, that is kind. Of focusing on, on, uh, on gratitude, what, what an acts of gratitude. Focusing on your breath. Just focusing on specific things that are constructive and positive versus all the pain and danger that are happening in the world because that will take you down and it will take you down fast. Mm. That was rich. That was very rich. <laughs> Thanks. I'm like, that's a lot to process. It's like, ooh, that's some good stuff. That was some good stuff there. But Kimberly always brings it. So um, I, th I think what I'm thinking about, the more I think about what you said, um, before, when I, when I teach on a, emotional intelligence, uh, the first thing that I think of is self-awareness. So before we can even kind of branch out into trying to build empathy and kind of meet people where they're at, is we have to understand where we are in our own shoes. So you have to uh, gather an awareness of just um, where we, where we, how we're feeling in in the moment, and so we have to do some of those exercises to figure out what that means for us, us just just us by ourselves. And then once we feel we understand who we are, the impact we have on those around us, uh, how we're feeling about all of the things, um, and do we want to continue to stay there in those shoes, those exact shoes that we're in? and we've evaluated, we've done some self-work there, then it's easier than go and say, okay, now how can I empathize with others? And the best way I think to, to branch out into that kind of social intelligence space or to understand other people is to um, talk to them, is to ask them how they perceive uh, us or how, what they need from us or what they may be feeling like there's a gap or a hole about what it is we're delivering to them. Because, so if we know we're heady, we want to get to the heart, we start with us and then we ask them, okay, what am I missing here? I know I'm not perfect at this. Can you fill me in on what it is I could do to help fill you up more? What is it that I can do to help fill some of the gaps that you might have? And once we just shush up after that and listen, uh, we're going to see, oh, wow, like 
I didn't realize I was having that impact. Oh, that's a positive impact. Oh, that's, and then we can do more of the good stuff and less of the stuff that depletes them. So those, that's how I would look at it is, you know, is first looking that, inward and that way. Heather, I think you said something that was so key when you were, to, when you were uh, kind of role-playing that dialogue. And that's when you said, I'm not good at this. I need help. Tell me what, what I can do. In saying those words, you give them permission to tell you truth, right? You give them permission to be real with you. But if you would just say, what can I do differently? People aren't likely going to say, well, you know. <laughs> you're a jerk. <laughs> you're, yeah, they're not, they're not going to tell you truth. So you have to own the fact. You have to own your own humanity. Own the fact that, hey, you know, I'm, I'm just trying to figure this out. And I know I'm not doing a good job. And I want to do a better job. I, you know, I really need your help to, tell, to, to show me the places where I, I, could, I could be doing better. Um, that makes it safe for them to give you, give you truth. And if you don't make it safe for them, you're not going to get truth. Yep. So true. So true that it's, that's how you get truth. So true. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, I can see your wheels are turning. Oh, I love listening <laughs> to you both. Smoke of you. coming out of the ear. <laughs> you, you know that. I, I, um, I just, I, I enjoy being with and, and with you both and, and listening. Um, there's, there's so much experience and wisdom that goes into that. Right. And, and, and I love that not only, you know, you, you bring that experience of, of um, the, the corporate environments, but this, the things that you're speaking to now are just that personal development and personal empowerment. And, and what, what strikes me the most is that great permission that you're giving to people to, to, to you know, step into you. Because you stand a great chance of being a, the best you and a very little chance of being a, a great version of somebody else. Um, and I, I just hear that so clearly from both of you. I love that. I think you know, it's, sorry, Kimberly. Go ahead, go ahead. It's just stunning because the, the thing, if I just summarize some of the things for Elizabeth here, trust, empathy, vulnerability, bravery, listening. These are all deeply human things that any of us can develop. And I want to use your word, um, Heather, if we're intentional, if we own that act. And I think this is the thing I feel, certainly myself, till a few years ago, I gave away my power far too easily. Yeah. So instead of taking the accountability for get, being a better listener or asking for that feedback or wanting to be part of a positive change, it's like, ah, it's somebody else's job. And I think that that sort of accountability gap is something that I think is an, in, an opportunity right now, but also probably quite scary for people. Sorry, Kimberly. No, don't, don't apologize. That was awesome. That was absolutely awesome. Mm -hmm. um, it, because it, 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 it just even fuels what I was thinking even more. And when I started my business, I was, you know, I was talking about leadership. I was talking about business. Um, and I, you know, used to frame almost everything I did around leadership and business and leadership and business and leadership and business. And then I started really writing brave leadership. And I, you know, I found myself bringing in stories from my family and from my community and from my own personal reflections and all of the, it was, it became a very personal thing. And as I was writing the book, then I, when I submitted it, 
the feedback from my editor at first was, well, you know, there's not enough business. This is a business book. <laughs> and I said, I said, look, you know, here's the deal. Leaders are human beings. People within business are human beings. We're not titles. And we can't lead effectively if we are not, if we're not using our whole life as our lens from which we can learn. Because the one thing we bring into everything we do is ourselves. And so, um, yes, this work is personal development work, right? Mike, you're absolutely right. Yes, it is business work. Yes, it is leadership. It is engagement. It is all of those things. Because if you are not growing yourself and not learning who you are and what, what, what makes your heart beat, then you cannot lead effectively and you cannot influence effectively and your business will not do what it can do. So it begins with each one of us on a personal level. So true. And I think about Gary, our call the other day, and I was talking, and you said you had this funny image now of this like, boing, boing, boing. And I talked about uh, when it comes to what's happening right now with us on this, on this wild ride, this wild journey that we're on, um, I, I, like I do with all adverse situations, I think of a, kind of like a uh, either a ping pong action where it hits me and I kind of go back and I, I get the, it goes away. The ball hits me and it goes away. The adversity hits me and goes away or some almost like a, like a donut that's around me. And every time it hits me, I just go boing, boing, boing. <laughs> so I let the, the and so he's like, Oh gosh, thank you for that image. And I want people to be thinking about that right now as we face um, some really interesting and challenging times that we can choose to have that donut around us where we, uh, boing, 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 all of the things that are around us, whether it's the words we use or other u others use, the stories that we hear or that we tell, all of those things, we can choose how much that sits on us or how we can repel it, how we can, we can push it away. Um, so that would be one of my final closing messages I'd want people to be thinking about. Visualize it. If you want to laugh at me all day, you can do that. But visualize that idea of boing, boing, boing and pushing all of the crud away and, um, and, and empowering ourselves to move forward in a, in a new way now. Yeah, as you're listening, you have to picture Heather moving forward, moving back, moving <laughs> to the side, moving to the side, forward, back. She, it, it's awesome. You have to have the visual image in your, in your head in order to really, truly appreciate that metaphor. It's awesome. <laughs> I, I can only imagine you two sharing a room, and it's a terrifying process. Oh, yeah, it would be terrifying for anyone, but for us, oh my gosh. Uh, uh. Awesome. <laughs> As we look to wrap up, I'd love for everyone just as maybe a final, I appreciate your, uh, your invitation there, Heather, but maybe just one more round as we close out. Um, just for those people that are kind enough to have uh, endured our hopefully helpful conversation for them. What's one final invitation to people? It could be anything. Just could be personal. It could be to do with work. Just an invitation to try and help those people maybe step into more of what you believe they can be. Uh, so... What I know to be true is that for myself, I never feel brave. I, it's not something I feel. I don't experience myself as brave. Uh, but I can point to your brave, Gary. I mean, I hear your stories and I can see you're brave. I know you're brave. I can see Mike's brave. I can see Heather's brave. I can see brave in other people, but I don't see it in myself. And what I've come to believe after doing this work for so long is that I don't think bravery lives in our experience of ourselves. I think if we're waiting to feel brave, we're going to be waiting for a really, really long time. The bravery lives in our actions. 
and it doesn't have to be an all or nothing thing. It's not like you become brave overnight and now you're poof, you're brave forevermore. No, you're, you get to, your, your next situation that you're in, the next call you are on, the next conversation you have, the next meeting that you are in, you get to choose the impact that you want to have. You, you can rewrite that situation every, in every step that you take. So your brave unfolds one situation at a time. Be kind to yourself. Maybe your next situation will be better if you make better choices. Wonderful. Heather. Oh, I was going to give it over to Mike because, you know, I already I gave a little bit of a juice. I want him to give us his, uh, Go on, Mike. his little potion, his Mike potion. <laughs> uh, you know, it, it is in that, in that bravery and, and vulnerability and stepping into our strength. You know, it does remind me that, you know, I mean, growing up being an athlete and, you know, being able to take on kind of that conquering thing, right? If, if I envision it and I step into it, I, I believe I could kind of get it down, right? And you, but the, when, when bravery becomes in each of our decisions, and I think of, like for me, that vulnerability is probably the bravest thing. And the simple choices that I make each day of um, being open enough to hear others, to see others, to receive feedback, um, that, that openness is probably the greatest bravery. And, and, and I think that's kind of my point that I'm finishing with is it looks differently for each of us. Um, but for me, that's my opportunity to grow. That's what we need to embrace is, is where there's room to grow. Let's embrace that. Um, for me, that's, that's my hope and wish for everybody. My final tidbit might be um, to have us not compare ourselves. Um, we kind of, we all kind of said this in a way, but um, what I find people say to me, for example, if I, if I speak to them that, oh, you're this and you're that and you're this and you're that. And I'm like, listen, I struggle just like everybody else. Uh, I eat the things I shouldn't be eating. Yes, Mike, I said that. I, I, you know, I just, I fall down in areas where I'm trying to be intentional and I'm not perfect. And so I think the key is don't compare because you're usually comparing yourself against an imperfect human. So just, you know, compare yourself, be yourself um, and, and continue to grow and to bloom and to flourish that way. But do never, ever uh, look, use your North Star as some other person and, and put them on a pedestal because that's just the opposite of who any of us are. That's wonderful. I've got, I'm going to borrow someone's actually. The last time Kimberly and I had a conversation like this, she joined me on my Have Courage Summit last year. And there's a lovely lady called Ross Savage, who's the only woman to single-handedly row across all of the oceans. She's in the Goodness Book of Records. Wow. And she shared this incredible, and it's my invitation to you for listening. At this time when you may have a bit more space in your mind, you've slowed down. Write an obituary for the path you're on right now, what does that look like for you if it's your last day and the path you want to walk? And what does that look like if it was your last day and take intentional steps towards the path that you want to be remembered for? Because that's what I did last year. And it's been transformational as a guide stick linked to purpose in part, but just something, lots of little markers along that path. And it might help you step in towards the space where you want to go, where you may not be at the moment question mark but that's just an invitation so thank you this has been incredible i hope you've enjoyed listening 
we better just give the last quick word to Kimberly and Heather as to how to find you. So Heather, what's the best way of connecting with you? Uh, the best way to connect would probably be on LinkedIn. You could always check out my website too at heatheryounger.com. But LinkedIn is probably the easiest way if you want to actually uh, get some more Heather Kool-Aid, I think. Yeah. <laughs> or you want to see a bounce back and forth in a rubber ring. That's also possible. Yep, bum, 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 bum. Kimberly. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm all over social media because I believe that brave doesn't happen in a vacuum. We need each other desperately. <laughs> so you can find me on LinkedIn or on Twitter, um, or I've got a Kimberly Davis author Facebook page, and you can also go to the braveleadershipbook.com website and find me there. Thank you. And thank you, co-host Mike Vacanti, founder yeah, of Jay. Fantastic yeah. Movement, Humans <laughs> First. And we will, we might put, I'm going to put this out this Thursday because it will be one week before the rally which will take place on the 30th of April where these three amazing human beings and me will also be with another 18 amazing humans giving you a free online event on the 30th of April. So do come along. It's going to be fun and we'll hope to see you there. Thanks everyone. Thank you. Well, what can I say? Amazing. Well, I felt it was amazing. I hope you found it was amazing. Just such a wonderful, rich, hopeful, yet pragmatic conversation, I felt. Um, just want to share a few of the takeaways um, that are really sitting with me after this conversation. One is where Kimberly shared that the people that are taking the initiative to grow and learn right now and make an impact are the people that are going to be the most valuable, no matter what happens, i.e. post-crisis. What will be left in the organization will be all the people that played it safe. I've seen this time and time and time again, and there's no judgment in that. It's just a fact that organizations tend to lose their best people in times of flux. Um, and it tends to be left with the people that aren't stepping into their brave and trying to make the, the biggest difference possible. So where do you sit with that? Are you trying to grow? It doesn't have to be world changing. It can be you know, it could be a case that you're reading a book that's going to help you be a better parent. It's going to allow you to um, bring a, a new experience into the work that you do, whatever that looks like. You know, but are you staying where you are at the top of your learning curve to coin Whitney Johnson's work? Are you stuck at the top of your S-curve? Or are you trying to disrupt yourself and learn something new? Heather shared, we have to understand where we are in our own shoes, how we're feeling in the moment. And this is so, so critical. This comes back to me around feeling. And how can we feel for others and hold the space for other people when they may need that if we're not doing it for ourselves? And for, for those that may know, I'm actually writing a book at the moment called Change is an Inside Job. And this speaks wonderfully, I feel, to that, to that very message from me that I believe that change is an inside job and that we're, we quite often give away our power to things outside of us. Part of that we touched on today. Um, we also had... Uh, a moment where Heather shared that don't compare as you normally compare yourself against an imperfect human. Compare against yourself, be yourself and grow and bloom that way. You know, we think about the Insta, the Insta comparisons, the airbrushed perfection that we see everywhere. And it's amazing how we innocently allow those marketing stories to shape our reality. But guess what? They're not shaping their reality. It's your thinking about those marketing or those stories, or that airbrushed person. Maybe you're telling yourself, I wish I looked like that, or I'm not good enough. Or if only I had that, I would feel better. That's actually what's happening. The comparison isn't that you're comparing yourself against another person. 
and that they are making you feel X. It's your thinking about yourself when looking at that outside situation. And I really would invite you to think more about that, challenge that, but just maybe just try and have a reflection around an experience that you've had recently where you believe it's the thing outside of you that's causing you to feel a certain way. And actually be honest with yourself around the thoughts that you were telling yourself the stories. I'm 99% sure you'll find it's those stories that caused your reality. Uh, Kimberly shared that what I know to be true is that for myself, I've never felt brave. It's not something I feel. I don't experience myself as brave, but I can point to your brave. So isn't that interesting? Whilst we do have an inside out experience of life, and I fully believe that, it's not always easy for us to point to certain aspects of ourselves, such as being brave. Sometimes it takes somebody else to hold the mirror up to us being brave. So I find that really, I think that's just a paradox of our experience. Wonderful. But do challenge me. Let me know what you're thinking. Always love when Kimberly shares that our brave unfolds one situation at a time. It's not an all or nothing thing. Always makes me think about marginal gains. What are those? Imagine, you know, we're all walking our own path, our own journey of life. So what, you know, just take the next step. It doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to be fully formed. Just take the next step, whatever that looks like for you. Uh, and also, I just want to leave you with Kimberly sharing that true connection requires two things. It requires us to truly see what's happening with other people. And it also requires us to be truly seen and to allow other people to see who we truly are. So behind the masks, behind the, the airbrushed metaphoric version of ourselves that sometimes we bring into things that we're doing. And again, there's no judgment there. We're just trying to hold the space for you as you've got downtime to really think about, are you being as brave as you could be? Are you being as resilient and owning your adversity story as much as maybe you could be, no matter how big or small that may be? And what are your beliefs looking like? You know, are you challenging them? Or are you still holding on to them at this time of rapid, innovative and iterative change where you could so easily, as we're seeing, in the world around remote working, around finding 330 billion for the UK economy. You know, it shows you that everything is just like fresh air. We're in the moment, human beings, as Heather pointed to. And there's a lot of freedom in that if we allow our thinking to drop. So thank you, Kimberly. Thank you, Heather. Thank you, Mike. So shared this experience with someone that's written about beliefs, somebody that's written about bravery, and somebody that's written about adversity. Now is the time for you, if you've kindly joined us right through to the end of these reflections. You are enough. The external world doesn't define you. It's your thinking about yourself that generally does. And it's time to step into our power. The world needs us to do so. Join us for the rally. It's on the 30th of April in a week's time, following when this is released. It's completely free. Incredible human beings are all joining um, the conversation as we go through 10 hours of back-to-back conversation, engagement, and Q&A. It's going to be fun. It's going to be high energy. It's going to be purposeful, and it's going to make a difference. I am absolutely sure to you if you invest in yourself at different parts throughout that day. There's also uh, Humans First ongoing hangouts. So the EMEA one takes place at 12 p.m. UK, 1 p.m. Central European time. And you'll also find there's US timed calls every Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. And all of these events you can find at the Humans First Club um events page um on the webs on web on the website at the website for the humans first club and you can find me at gary turner 
sorry, Gary IP Catalyst. Sorry, got very, very emotional throughout this conversation today. So I'm at Gary IP Catalyst on um, Twitter. You can also find me at um, Gary Interpersonal Catalyst on LinkedIn. You can find Mike Lacanti's details in the show notes, as well as the bios and contact details for our friends Heather Younger and Kimberly Davis. So much love, friends. Stay safe. Keep a social distance, but stay connected. And we really look forward to you joining us with the incredible remote working specialist, Callie Yost, on Monday, the 27th of April, during episode 108. Thank you, and I truly hope that these podcasts are serving you. We'd love to know if it does, and please do leave a five-star rating on Apple or your favourite podcast platform, if it does. Thank you. Really hoping that you enjoyed that exploration on the Value Through Vulnerability podcast. You can find out much more about HexoChange at hexochangenow.com. That's H-E-X-O-Change-Now, one word, dot com. You can subscribe to a weekly newsletter at that website, which includes information about live stream conversations, further service offerings, blogs, but also our in-person events, of which we have multiple each year. So I really hope that you'll join us. Do connect with me, Gary Turner, on LinkedIn, and I really hope to hear from you soon.